We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. everybody welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace and ladies and gentlemen this is going to be a very special week because this wednesday at pacers nuggets for the first time in four long years the boys will be together officially alex golden mike Fachi at the at the nuggets in the pacers game Fachi, it's going to be a fun one absolutely i'd say getting the band back together but the band has never been together <laughs> finally it is happening i'm super excited be back in the field house. I mean, they've changed the name uh, quite a few times since I've been there. But man, Alex, you got to understand every time I go to a Pacer game, it's on the road. Yeah. So to be surrounded by Pacer fans, I, it's something I'm going to soak up, live up. And man, we're in for a great time finally actually getting to meet. Absolutely. And I, I'll tell you guys this so I'm going to have to be a few minutes late to the game because of some other prior obligations. Bachi is going to be there waiting on me. Okay. So I'm going to try to be there before halftime. I totally should probably be there by like the start of the second quarter. But with that being said, we're going to do a meetup at halftime at the concourse outside right next to Ben's pretzel. Look, if you guys know anything about me, I love Ben's pretzels. I'm going to make Fachi get one because he hasn't had one yet. I'm in. So he's going to try one. He's going to tell me if my food takes are bad or not, but I'm going to say if they're going to be good. If he doesn't agree, then that's just his problem. But we're going to do a meet and greet at the at the concourse right out there outside of Ben's Pretzels on that Wednesday game at halftime. So I have seen random people uh, walk through walking throughout the concourse before games and they stop and say, hey, really like the podcast, stuff like that. Have anybody like want to punch me in the face yet? I'm waiting for that one, Fotch. But uh, hopefully, not time, this <laughs> hopefully not. I mean, you might take them out and let them know, <laughs> you know, you've been lifting some weights, bro. But I have. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not fit like Fachi, so you got fit and fat over here. But uh, <laughs> with, with that being said, it's been really cool. Like just the positive interactions I've had with so many of the fans. Uh, so I think it'd be great for Fachi to get some love, and honestly, just be really cool for you guys to be a part of this like first meetup. Like it's it's we're gonna be awkward just because we've never done this before. But uh, don't want to keep talking too much about this meetup. But wanted to let you guys know what our plan is. So Wednesday halftime outside Ben's Pretzels. Come meet us, and uh, if you're not at the game, buy a ticket so you can come and meet us because we're not trying to be like celebrities and like that. We just want to interact with the fans because this is what it's all about, Fudge. Absolutely. Guys, I want to meet every single one of you that has even half an intention of going to this game. I want to meet you. I want to be able to give back to you guys that have given so much to us. And plus, look, if I'm going to be there and I don't know when the next time I'm going to be there, I'd love to come back for another game later this season. But for right now – Got to soak it up. So if you're going to be in the arena, I want to meet you there, show some love to you. So appreciate you guys. All right, Fachi. Well, let's get right into it. I mean, uh, the Pacers have won three of their last four games. It's uh, It's been kind of nice to just kind of see them playing some really good basketball. 
But I will say this, um, taking down the heat is always fun, no matter what type of year it is, whether it's a tanking season or not. I don't care if there's no Victor Oladipo or no Jimmy Butler. Taking down the heat feels good, and it felt really awesome to not only see Buddy Heald go for 25 points, but Tyrese Halliburton for 22, Benedict Matherin for 23. These guys were on fire that game, Fachi. Just a super fun one in the field house for the Pacers to get their fourth victory of the season. This was a collective effort, and you know what, Alex? I dare I say, was their defense played? They hold the heat below 100 points. Yeah. I loved it. This was like a game that was getting a little ugly towards the end, and I, I think it's everything the Pacers needed. This was a real test. They led by, I think, as many as 12 in this game, but towards the end, it was anyone's game down the stretch. And there was a lot of players that made big plays. I mean, you had Buddy Heel diving for a rebound, like diving on the floor and securing it. Miles with a block that mm. they originally ruled the goaltend. Matherin goes to the free throw line. I know he only hit one of two, but still, it was great to see him in a high-pressure situation. And then Nemhard playing fantastic defense on Tyler Hero at the, at the end of the game when the game was on the line. It was like... Every player had a significant role to close this game out. And that was like the first early battle test for this young Pacers team. And I know you mentioned Jimmy Butler wasn't there, but this win still felt like it meant a little bit more than beating like the Wizards or like the Detroit Pistons. You know, this was the Heat had the one seed last year. So this this win, even without Jimmy, still meant something. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero still had a terrific game against us. He had 29 points, but, you know, Bam Adebayo had 18 points, 10 rebounds, and zero blocks, but five turnovers. Did not feel like Bam was super great in this game. I thought he was good, but not, like, spectacular, if that makes sense, Foch. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those games where I was like, okay, in my personal opinion, when I was watching Kyle Lowry play, he looked terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. I he, not the he, same guy. As he just past. he just flops and flails all over the place. It's just annoying. I thought they had better offensive movement at times when Gabe Vincent was out there instead of him. Um, probably because Gabe Vincent shot the ball really well. Kyle Lowry was one and nine in that game, but Gabe Vincent was six of ten. So probably why I felt that way because Lowry was bricking everything. But yeah, I mean you can just tell this is a team that desperately needs to get Jimmy Butler back. Um, because offensively they kind of were looking for Tyler Hero nonstop. And I think that Tyler Hero can only take you so far, right? Uh, and that's kind of where we're at. But, I mean, you look at this game and, and you thought Buddy Heald was going to go for 40-some points. The dude had 22 points in the first half. He only scored three points in the second half, Fachi. But he was doing the little things, like you said. Nine rebounds in that game, Fachi. Two steals for Buddy Heald. That's great. Uh, you know, he didn't have any assists. Tyrese Halliburton almost had a triple-double, 22-9-9. and And then Benedict Matherin logging 37 minutes off the bench, Fachi. He was 10-12 from the free-throw line, and he was a, a plus-four in the game with 23 points. Had a chance to make this a three-point game but missed one of those free-throws. Was, was that something you were a little bit disappointed in with, Ben? I was because he always looks, like, super confident. So I was like, oh, Ben's going to hit both these right now. When he missed the first one, it's like it lets you know the little bit like he's human, you know. <laughs> and then when he hit the next one, I was like, all right, great. That was the type of position that you want to put your rookie in to say, hey, the only way to really learn is by going through it in real time in a real regular season game. So great experience. But, yeah, just like you mentioned, 37 minutes. He had only played above 28 minutes twice on the year. So this was this was a good, good, healthy dose of Matherin. And the reason why, which we didn't get to touch on, Alex, yeah. Chris Duarte sprains his ankle. Right, it, The report is he's going to be out four to six weeks. Awful timing because one of the things we were talking about was how is Duarte going to respond coming off of the career-high 30 points? I thought this was going to be the confidence booster he needed. Now he's out four to six weeks. I did the math in a best-case scenario that if it's six weeks, so not a best-case scenario, but if it's the full six weeks, that would put him out until December 21st. That's about 25 games or roughly, you know, a quarter of the season. So um, that's 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 pretty tough. So overall, it was it ended up being a quarter of the season. I think it was like 21, 22 games. But man, just rough luck for uh, Duarte after finally looking like he was kind of riding the ship and getting it going. Yeah, unfortunately for Duarte's career, it feels like already, even though it's barely been a year, right? 
He just has these nagging injuries that yeah. always come to bite him in the butt. He just has the worst luck. I mean, honestly, I kind of felt like Kyle Lowry flailed on that play. Yeah, Definitely felt like he was trying to sell that play. And I'm not saying it was Kyle Lowry's fault, but like if Kyle Lowry just made an actual basketball move, does Chris Duarte follow him? I think you can make the case. Probably not. So, you know, it's 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 just another reason why I can't stand Kyle Lowry and won't miss him when he retires. I put that out in a tweet because just like that's one player when he retires, I will not miss watching play. Uh, he does not bring any fun to the basketball world to me whenever I watch him. It's just like play the game sometimes. Like I, I get understanding how to like get calls and stuff, but like he's just over the top all the time. But uh, he's had some good playoff moments. I didn't hate those, but just recently he's been kind of annoying. But I will say this, Jeff Stotts, who – uh, is on Twitter at in street clothes. He's really good at understanding what these injuries are, Fachi. So he quote tweeted what Adrian Wojnarowski had put out there about Duarte with a grade two ankle sprain, missing four to six weeks. He said a grade two sprain is considered a partial tear and is the same injury that is currently keeping LaMelo ball sidelines. So, you know, LaMelo has been out for a while. You probably haven't even heard about him. So uh, that's because he hasn't played. So it's, it's a little bit nerve wracking when you think about all that stuff, but um yeah, I mean, I didn't want to get too much into the negative of this game because that's probably the only negative I'd say besides Jalen Smith's poor performance once again. Uh, just 11 minutes as the starting power forward in this game. He's kind of been all over the place, it feels like, this season. I can't really get a read on him as a player yet. Trying to figure out if he's the right fit for this team as a starter or if he's you know, more of like what the Suns viewed him as, as kind of like uh, a guy that can start on occasion but probably more of a bench player. I, I think he probably has more of a bench player role here than he was on the Suns being kind of buried. But uh, I'm just curious, man, what is going on with Jalen Smith? I mean, what is going on in your world with him? Because I I can't figure it out. It's really tough because he had a stretch recently where, like, he was really good. It was like a four-game stretch where he scored 15 or more. He was averaging about a double-double. But lately, the last couple games, his last three games, to be specific, he's shooting four of 21. Yeah. Four of 21, and he's seen his minutes go from 34 to 26 down to 11. And it's it's tough to see right now. I know he's going to have, you know, some highs, some lows, but overall we're looking at, like, kind of a little bit of a median from, like, last year seems like, wow, like imagine what Jalen Smith could do in a full year to, like, right now it's still early on, but we're seeing a little bit of a regress going on where his field goal percentage is down about – 10%, 10%, which is a big amount. His three-point percentage is down about 11%. The rebounds have been about the same. The minutes are about the same. So overall, you could see, you know, he's taken a step back. And I know they, the one thing I didn't like, but you had to do it when he was going to re-sign for less, was kind of gift him a starting role. Yeah. And I'm curious to see if he keeps that role throughout the remainder of the year. Well, and, and here's the thing. They might start him, but he only played 11 minutes, okay? So it's like Rick Carlisle's benching him if he's not playing well. And I, I've seen Carlisle kind of get mad at Jalen a few different times when he's called for him and he doesn't get up there quick enough to the scores table. Uh, like live in the games, he's like, come on, I'm, I'm calling you, pay attention. You know, I think part of this for me is Jalen just a young player still. Um, young players go through inconsistencies. And I think him being put in this position to play a very complimentary role and probably is kind of the fifth option on that starting lineup, I would say. It's it's a different dynamic for him. I think there's been a lot of people that have made the case that he's more of a center than he is a power forward. He did not look good as the solo center to start the season off when he started next to Terry Taylor before they made the changes and put Isaiah Jackson in there next to him. I still think for how well Miles played in this game as well, he's still trying to figure out how to play with Miles because they've only played, I believe this is now their fourth game together, Fachi, so... You know, two 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 good games, I guess you could say, from Jalen and two uh, bad ones. The one in Brooklyn and the one against the Heat. The the ones that were good were against Chicago last Wednesday, and and the and the one before that was the uh, the Wizards game, obviously. So I, I I just I don't want to like write him off. I'm not saying he's like a bad player or anything like that, but he is looking like a guy that looks more of a role player to me than he is a guy that looks to be a part of your young core's future as this bright star. No, I think that's spot on right over there because right now it's just that, like you mentioned, 
His fit with Miles so far remains to be seen. Last year, Jalen was a far more featured option the second half of the year when Miles was not in the lineup. Uh, so I, it's like he's taken a little bit of a step back, but still over his career, it's not that he's ever shown that he could consistently be what he was last year. So I'm not going to write him off either. Uh, I, I think that he's going to have some real good games moving forward, but I'm not seeing like uh, uh, potentially budding into an all-star type player. I'm seeing a good serviceable rotational player right now that, you know, might not be a starter on many teams, but would definitely be in that rotation for, you know, every, any team. So it's going to take some time right over here. I'm not writing him off. Like like we said, Duarte was going through some serious struggles. He drops 30. So if, if we give Jalen more time, I think he's going to bounce back just fine. But there's a chance that he could very well be more of like a 12 and 8 type of guy on like, you know, 48% shooting from the field compared to what we saw last year, what looked like he could be taking a big step forward this year. That quite hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't. And I'm not sure if we'll see it happen. Maybe, maybe after 2025 20, games, we'll see what the roster looks like if they're making any deals. But, um, you know, I kind of brought it up, but I didn't say too much about it yet. Miles Turner in this game, Vachi, you mentioned he had that amazing block that pretty much sealed the game for the Pacers and yeah. in a nice way, got overturned. It was originally called a goaltend and it was a very close one. I honestly wasn't sure if it was going to be uh, overturned just because it, you could make the case that, yeah, you could start it to see come, you could almost start, uh, you could almost start to see it coming down, but at the same time, like it didn't feel like it was coming down yet. So they overturned it. They gave us the call. They gave us the benefit of the doubt there. Miles had some other really nice blocks on this game. Super effective. Seven and nine from the field, Fachi, which is great to see. One and two from three, only took two threes. They were kind of going to him there a little bit when he had mismatches on him and he was scoring at a pretty high rate against him. Still only seven rebounds. Obviously, we'd like to see that be a little bit higher. Finished the game as a minus four. I don't really think that's too indicative of how he played, but uh, it really felt like the bench unit put together a nice little run to give the Pacers some cushion. But uh, Miles was definitely part of that closing unit that I felt deserved some love in this game. Absolutely. This is the Miles Turner that the Pacers need and I feel like could count on more. Like his game against Washington, guys, look, it was awesome. 27 and 10, five bucks. You can't count on that from Turner. I know he might think that he is that guy, but 16 and 7 and 3 blocks, that's fantastic. That's something that I feel like is more sustainable for Turner right over here. Just an all-around awesome game for him. That block was huge. Uh, I think he blocked it at its highest point. It was super debatable, but I felt like it was at its highest point rather than coming down. And overall, I mean, he even talked about how excited he was to be back at home to get a win at home, like all of that stuff was awesome to hear, especially after, you know, everything that we've already hashed out about his interview with Woj. I thought that this was the type of performance at home that he needed to have, and he did. And, and mm. I think that it just showed that everybody played a solid role in this game. You know, obviously Duarte got hurt, but the rest of the starters were, were, were real good outside of Jalen Smith. The bench had its moments. I mean, obviously – Benedict Matherin was was the one that really had you, you know, especially in the first half. I think in the first half he got to the free throw line maybe 10 times. I think he was eight of uh, 9 of 10 from the line or, uh -huh. or something of the sort. O overall continues to just impress. But maybe someone that we need to also give a little shout-out to, Andrew Nemhard. Yeah, you gave him a shout-out earlier. You haven't given TJ McConnell one yet. I think he deserves I, one, too. Okay, McConnell was very solid. He was very solid in this game. You know, I, there's there's nothing to not like about his performance. He was a plus 12. Hey, four points, six boards, four assists, two steals. Right over there, that's a stat sheet stuffer. Attempted another three, went for it. <laughs> I thought about you. Every time he shoots, yeah, I think yeah. about you. <laughs> I know. When I saw him, and then, oh, okay, never mind. You know, but, Hold your breath. <laughs> exactly. But I give him credit for trying. But overall, compared to how McConnell has played, this was by far one of his better games on the year. He doesn't need to have, you know, 10 assists anymore, 8 assists anymore. It's a little bit of a dialed back role. But McConnell definitely gets a shout out. But for Nemhart, uh, career high, 6 assists. Yeah. To just one turnover. I know he didn't shoot the ball well, but... He played some good defense at times. And overall, for Nemhard right now, we're starting to see someone who is really starting to flash some stats over here, at least from a, from an assist to turnover ratio. This, this guy's making it happen out there. And uh, 
you know, I, I'm I'm really excited about what we're seeing. Basically, let's see what it was. He has 26 assists to four turnovers. Alex, that's good for a, a 6.3 um, assist to turnover ratio right over there. That's Love unbelievable. That. Eighth best in the NBA. Yeah, you, I don't know if you were paying too much attention to this, but the the Heat were going back and forth between playing man and zone versus Pacers. And there was times when they put Nimhart in the middle of the zone to try to break it. And he had a really great pass. I'm sure you saw this one when he Ooh, found yeah. T.G. McConnell cutting on the baseline. Okay. bouncer, yep. Yeah, so it's like anytime T.G. McConnell can get loose on the baseline and get a little layup in there, like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> like, McConnell's really too small to be able to score like that on the baseline, right? So the fact that Nimhard was able to draw the defense away enough to find McConnell at the same time, that was really impressive to me. So we're just seeing the high basketball IQ of Andrew Nimhard every single time he's on the floor. He is a rookie. He's going to have mistakes. But when he does things really well, it's not a surprise to me. And Quinn Buckner hammers this every single time he plays, but he always talks about his poise, his calm attitude. It's so real, Flashy. This guy looks like a proven player that is never going to let the moment get too big for him. So that is one thing I have fully loved to see from Andrew Nimhard. But, yeah, it was good to see them play together and, and not play bad minutes because they looked really bad together against the Nets on Monday. And I'm like, I just don't love their minutes together. And we talked about it on the podcast uh, after the game. So don't need to, like, go into it too, too much. But, yeah, it, it's, it's good to see him being able to be used as more than just a point guard. He's kind of going to become that wing that they, they not a wing, but part of that guard rotation that they need with all the injuries. But uh, before we wrap up this game, I want to ask you, do you have anything else you want to touch on? Because if not, I want to take a quick break and I want to ask you two burning questions. I just want to say one of the last things was, you know, people were making a big deal out of James Johnson's minutes. Like, whoa, 18 minutes against the Nets did not even log a second against the Heat. <laughs> so it's guys... Take it easy. That was a situational matchup of James Johnson knowing the Nets and, and the Bigs not playing well in that game. So, hey, everything's going to be all right. All right, well, let's take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to ask Fachi. When we come back, I'm going to ask Fachi two burning questions that I have. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, Flatchy, so I've got two burning questions for you, but the first one I have for you, I've had a lot of people say, what about them Pacers to me? And I say, what about them? What are you, what are you trying to ask me? Because I'm not sure exactly where you're coming at, you know? And they're like, well, I mean, they've won four games. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that, Flatchy. Okay, let's go back. Their first win was against the Detroit Pistons, right? Mm-hmm. Second win was against the Washington Wizards. Yep. Third win was against the Brooklyn Nets. And the last one was against the Miami Heat. Looking at those four games, are you surprised, knowing those teams and what their injury reports look like, that the Pacers were able to pull out the victory? I'd say uh, that Brooklyn game. Because, look, you're talking about Kevin Durant. You're talking about Kyrie Irving. You're talking about being on the road. I felt like that was a game that it was like, look, Brooklyn had looked sluggish, but it was like, 
Okay, they're probably going to get right against us, and and they were up solidly in that game. Um, overall, that was probably the one win that surprised me. But I, maybe it's because I knew Miami was without Jimmy Butler that it was like, hey, we got a shot here. But that first Brooklyn game, uh, when when we beat them, I was not expecting that win. So we were they were one and five entering that game, and I thought they're probably going to beat us. But I think when we did our picks, we talked about them splitting on the road there. Yeah. There was a chance. It, it wasn't like we thought, oh, it's out of the realm of possibilities that we win this game. Like it was one of those things where it's like the Nets defense has been atrocious. They had all the Kyrie Irving stuff going around them. Obviously, we saw what's happened with Steve Nash getting fired shortly after that. So to me, this was one of those games like they had a team meeting afterwards. So this win did not shock me just because, yes, on paper, they're talented. But Ben Simmons has been a shell of himself. And I really just don't trust this Brooklyn team right now. Now, once they've fired Nash and, you know, they've done everything they've done with the suspension of Kyrie and they're trying to figure things out. Simmons is out with an injury. You know, they've looked a little bit different over the last couple of games. But prior to that, they hadn't looked good. We talked about them beating the Washington Wizards at home, Fachi, in the opener. We thought, okay, the Wizards on paper are probably more talented, but they're not a team that we can't beat. So that wasn't one that surprised me. We're right neck and neck there in terms of, like, what the Pistons are trying to do, so that didn't surprise me. And then, like you said, this Heat team, without Jimmy Butler, uh, their whole entire offense, really, like, it feels like he is the uh, the epicenter of that offense, right? Heliocentric style of player. That's what Jimmy Butler is for that team in a, in a certain way. But I, I wasn't surprised that we won that game either. Coming off three days rest, we did talk about it, maybe being a little bit of a challenge. But I think get the guys rested. Miami was on. Uh, they had just played Wednesday, had a big game winner over the Sacramento Kings, thanks to Tyler Hero not called travel three that uh, went in, right? I, I just personally did not feel like any of the wins we have gotten so far were surprising. We haven't played the powerhouses yet, in my opinion, yet. No Boston, no Milwaukee. Uh, we haven't played any of the good teams out West like the Nuggets or the Warriors. I know the Warriors are struggling right now, but uh, like the Clippers, those kind of teams, like we haven't played the teams to me that are like, oh yeah, they're going to be the juggernauts of the of the playoffs. So I'm not shocked by their record right now, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh my gosh, now we're going to win 40 plus games because we're the seventh seed two weeks into the play uh, into the season. Oh, yeah, of course. Look, this is the classic time where you start to go, wait a minute, are we a playoff team? And it's just like, look, <laughs> here's the thing. Every team we beat has a losing record and is below us. Yes. So it's just like, look, these have not been quality wins, just like you mentioned. But, you know, I'm sitting here earlier and, you know, I was crafting out just some, some notes for the episode and uh, turn to my wife. I go, babe, don't look now, but Pacers are a playoff team. And she's like, isn't it really early in the year? I was like, yeah. But I said, don't look now. She's like, but you asked me a question. I was like, all right, whatever. Here's what I'm trying to say. Like, we're in the seventh spot right now. Like, it, it feels weird because last year we were trying to win and we couldn't win. Yeah. And we're nearly a 500 team. We haven't been healthy. Turner's been in and out of the lineup. Neesmith's been out. Now Duarte's out. Like, we're trying to figure some things out. But yet, the NBA is in a weird spot. We have a better record than the defending champs, the Warriors. Better record than the Nets, the Sixers, the Heat, you know, the Lakers. It's it's a weird spot to be in right now, but I don't want to overreact. It's like I'm appreciating each win that we get, but if we lose, I'm saying, hey, we're, we're kind of expected to lose a lot. So I just love being in that spot right now where, hey, if it works out, we win. It, it's a bonus, but if we don't, I'm not going to eat myself up about it, but I'll know that, hey, we're, we're on the right path path right now and everyone right now this young group it feels like win or loss they're learning something from it and that's what I love to see yeah and it's really interesting too because we've talked at nauseum about the Lakers stuff but Russell Westbrook's been looking pretty darn good off the bench Fachi yeah. so you have to wonder if they're still gonna want to play that chip uh just because I mean they gotta do something obviously oh yeah it's it's it's, it's uh but I don't think anybody's gonna buy into the Lakers you know, all of a sudden, re, uh, they're not going to get Russell Westbrook's value back <laughs> just just by playing him off the bench and him doing well. Now, I think what it does do, it does give teams maybe that be in the buyout uh, market or looking to maybe pick him up if he's waived or something and sign him to like a minimum deal or something like that if he clears waivers. 
uh, of thinking, okay, maybe we can put him in this role and let him kind of thrive in that backup role, chip on a shoulder, you know, just have an extra ball handler kind of guy. But for me personally, it's just like uh, the asking prices shouldn't change just because he's coming off the bench now. Um, I, I'm not going to be blinded by three or four games here where he's had a really good stretch off the bench. Now, I will say this. I think Westbrook is really trying to keep himself in L.A. because it's where he wants to be, right? He's a California kid, doesn't want to be dealt, and is tired of being the butt of all the jokes. So it's, and now it's just coming down to roster construction a little bit more with that team. But, you know, like you said, Golden State's not been playing well at all, three and seven. That's a bit of a championship hangover. Guys are getting older, trying to integrate their young guys into it. So it's still really early, but I'll just say the powerhouses that we haven't faced uh, don't get me too concerned about our record overall. I, I will just say this is a Pacers team that is going to be very competitive every single night. The They're very well connected, and I think that's one thing that we like so much about them, Flachi. Mm-hmm. And their defense is making improvements while still a bit of a struggle, right? Uh, but you're starting to see growth from them, and, and that's the beautiful thing. But my second burning question, Flachi, and this is the burning question that we've heard since before the season started. But now you've kind of been hinting at it. No Neesmith, no Duarte. Is Monday night against Pelicans the night that Benedict Matherin gets his first start in the NBA? I feel like it's got to be, but here's the catch. If you put him in the starting lineup, I want it to be permanent moving forward. Not like mm, all of a sudden. Selfie. Exactly. I don't want to be like, well, Neesmith's back, back to the bench. So right now I feel like it's like, hey, are we ushering in the Matherin starting lineup era for the next however many years to come? Or are they going to just kind of give O'Shea that start for just kind of, you know, a handful of minutes and then Matherin comes in? So, you know, right now I, I know the Pacers are calling up Trevor and Queen, but he'd be a long shot to be in the starting lineup. So I think at this point it's got to be – <laughs> it's got to be Matherin, right? I mean, what do you think is the new era upon us? Man, that's a tough one. I mean, like you said, that is really hard. Like, if you start him, how do you go back to not starting him? Is that something that they're thinking about in the back of their mind? Do they potentially start TJ McConnell and bring Nimhard off the bench as the lead guard of the second unit with Benedict Matherin, O'Shea, Ijax, and that group? Because um, they really can't go any bigger. They already got the two bigs in there, yeah, so they've exactly. got to find a wing – O'Shea was someone that I thought could make some sense as a starter too. I feel like he, he could be the guy. Yeah, and that and that wouldn't surprise me if he is. Um, looking at this Pelicans team, they are a little bit bigger in this game. With Brandon Ingram being out there, um, maybe they decide to put O'Shea out there because he's a little bit longer than, than Benedict Matherin. I mean, I don't think O'Shea's looked very good. No, uh, Offensively, not. especially when he's been out there, but... Offensively, real quick, Alex, I looked at it. He's shooting 11% <laughs> yeah. on the year. 11. He's not comfortable when he's out there. It's almost like he's afraid to shoot because, like, it's either like they told him you shot too much last year and so he's trying to be more of a passer or he has zero confidence in a shot. And I don't know if it's a combination of both or what, but it's just kind of weird because that's not the O'Shea we saw at the end of last season. No, not Going toe-to-toe with the Nets and and Kevin Durant. Like, he had a fantastic game that last game of the season. So, you know, that that to me could make some sense if they don't want to start Mathering. Uh, keep him coming off the bench against second units. I'm not sure what the whole thought process there is, but he did start in the second half of that game. So maybe that was a little bit of a, a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. But you're right. I mean, Carlisle talked about them needing to get Neesmith back. He's questionable. Nimhart's questionable for this game as well. So I would assume Nimhart plays. I would assume that Neesmith is like a game-time decision. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, if Neesmith is back, he's starting for sure, in my opinion. But yeah. I just, I'm just i just kind of curious, like, why the hesitancy on making Mather in the starter? I don't know, because it's like, look, yeah, he has been the best player off the bench in the NBA this year. It's, it's crazy to say, given that he's our rookie, but it's like, do you need to just, like, make that his thing then? Like, obviously, it's like, at some point, you got to put him in the starting lineup, and we shouldn't have to wait until – buddies traded you know if he is traded in like the deadline or whatever that may be just to get him a starting role at some point like he's beyond deserving from a talent standpoint of a starting role and I I wasn't going to make it a big deal you know I was fine just like you were where it's like hey Duarte was healthy keep him the starting lineup keep Matherin over there but 
Now it's like, all right, we're going with the next man up, and he's clearly the man for the job. But I just don't know if it's as simple as, hey, we're starting Matherin now. And maybe we're overthinking it. Because, yeah. look, if we're saying O'Shea might be the guy who gets that role, it doesn't mean that O'Shea's better than Matherin right. by any means at all. But it's something that I could actually see happening. I could see O'Shea getting it and playing like 10 minutes and Matherin still playing exactly. 38, right? Yeah. Something stupid like that. I just don't know. I, I mean, we talk, you talked about when they returned from the road trip making Matherin the starter. Yep. They still have three more games at home before they go on their, uh, you know, they go on a little bit of a road trip after this uh, four-game homestand. So maybe they just like, okay, let's see how he does against the Pelicans, Nuggets, and Raptors. Three really solid teams. The Raptors are a little bit beaten up right now with the Van Vliet and uh, Siakam injuries, but we know the Nuggets have been really uh, pretty good this year. They're six and three as we speak. So, you know, they got an MVP candidate in Jokic and, and they've got some really good players over there. So, it seems like um, a decent group of players to, or teams, excuse me, to put him up against as a starter and just kind of see how he does. And if you feel like it's messing up his flow or how he's playing, then just ease him back into that second unit. But yeah, I, I never really thought about it like that. Fachi, how you said, does this mean that, you know, he has to be in there for the rest of the season once he gets into that starting lineup? Cause it's going to be hard to take him out once you do that. I agree with that. And, they do have two very big games coming up against the Orlando Magic at home. And I, I call those big games because for Matherin's sake, that would be a good way to kind of put his stamp on that uh, rookie of the year race with Paolo Boncaro. There's no one that can't tell me that Matherin won't be taking that one personally. Right. Because he knows exactly who he's being compared about, you know, compared with on a daily basis for rookie of the year. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. Also, at the Atlanta Magic, just a, a young team similar to the Pacers with a lot of talent. That like this could end up, you know, I don't want to say being a rivalry for years to come, but I think that these are going to be two teams with a boatload of young, promising talent that's going to get better and better that are not quite ready yet. So um, that's going to be a fun one. But yeah, it, to my point before, it's like. I wouldn't want them taking Matherin out of the starting lineup in any way of it feeling like some sort of demotion, even when everybody knows it isn't. But it's just like, if you're going to start him, start him moving forward. Don't start yanking him back and forth like you did with Duarte last year. So, uh, you know, I I'm very curious to see how that pans out. But the schedule coming up, just like you mentioned, those next few games, that's where you're really going to learn a lot about this team. Because Pelicans, super talented playoff team. Nuggets, playoff team the Raptors you know they've given us fits the last couple of years always long and athletic so this is where we're really going to get a feel of like okay you know what maybe we very much are rebuilding and we beat a couple sub 500 teams to start the year yeah I mean I think that's where we're at I think people that are understanding of this team know like there might be some times where you do be the team on paper that you probably didn't expect to be like the Miami Heat right mm-hmm but there's also going to be games where you're thinking, oh, they should probably win this game, and they don't, a.k.a. the San Antonio Spurs on opening week, right? Everybody thought we were going to win that game. The Spurs are trying to tank, and we just came out there and just gave up shots left and right. So that, that to me, is like, okay, you got to find the balance. I think this Pacer team is in a good spot uh, to still land a top-five pick. I'm not overthinking that right now. People so we got to get rid of Miles and Buddy ASAP <laughs> because we're going to win too many games. Um, but I will say this, at least the Pacers aren't like intentionally tanking, right? No, no. If if they were intentionally tanking where Rick Carlisle was trying to make sure they lost games, you don't see Buddy Heel play 40 minutes against the Miami Heat. Uh, you probably see him play about 33, 34, and you let somebody else get a little bit more time out there. But Buddy was feeling it. Buddy was hot. Rick rode the hot hand, and he let the guys go out there and have a chance to win it because – uh, when we talk about tanking, like me and you aren't like openly saying like, let's go out there and tank. Like let's no. win as a game. We're just saying, let's not <laughs> get meaningless wins uh, for us to not make the playoffs and to not be put in a good spot in the lottery. Exactly. Like, look, it's like, this isn't, you know, we're not shutting down players for long, long stretches of time or doing like what, what OKC was doing where you look at it and it's like, these are barely even NBA players. Like, Pacers have a lot of young, talented guys that are getting in games. They're they're out there. Um, so it's like, yes, like when we say tanking, it's like the Pacers 
did not meet, you know, the, the bottom salary floor. Like they could have spent more money and we know they didn't. And and they, they went with a younger direction instead of getting more win now players, things like that. So it's like a subtle tank, but overall, I think they're doing a great job with what they're doing. Um, it's It's been a fun, fun product to watch. I think everybody, even knowing that we're likely not going to make the playoffs, is saying I'm enjoying watching this team right now. Guy like Buddy has just been a treat to watch, having mm. a career year. He's been like lights out from three, he's shooting 42.5%. He's shooting what would be a career high from the field at just under 48%, you know, nearly 19 points per game. It's been awesome to watch. So overall, I saw a lot of fans over the weekend saying, you know what? I wouldn't mind if we held on to him a bit. So yeah. you know, now, now it's cool to see fans at least say like, yeah, this guy's actually having a great time here. His teammates love him. He's balling out. And like some of us are trying to just kick him out. So uh, it's very interesting to see everybody change their tone on it. You and I even talked about it last week. We're like, yeah. well, I mean, you know, if they make some other moves, it's not the worst going into next year being an expiring year for Buddy right. where his value could still be very high. It could still very well be a first round pick next year. I think it could be almost higher next year just because it's not be. the extra money, right? Yeah. It's an expiring contract, a shooter. Um, you can never have too much shooting. And I put that video out there um, on our Instagram, on our TikTok, and then on my personal Twitter page just asking fans, like, do you want to keep him or not? I would say 70% said they wanted to keep him, right? There was there was a handful of people that said, no, we need to trade him as soon as possible. And I understand that mindset, Fachi. Like, his stock's probably never going to be higher. So you, you make the Lakers or whoever wants to go after him pay up to get him and make sure you put a good price on him. But I just, I'm just enjoying the experience so much. I love the joy that he plays with on this team. It's uh he's a very team first guy. It feels like, and I feel like he wasn't really pegged as a team first guy when he was in Sacramento kind of felt like they didn't like him and felt like he was more of a, a all about me guy. But like we talked about it only scoring three points in that second half and, you know, just doing things to get guys open looks because they were worried about Buddy. Obviously, he was hot. So he was being used as a decoy in some of the offensive sets and Halliburton was able to get some stuff going. Miles got some stuff going. Uh, Benedict got some stuff going. So, you know, it was one of those things where he just plays with pure joy. And I absolutely loved the post-game press conference where it was him and Matherin together. And <laughs> like they asked, I think Tony East asked like Matherin a question. And then like two more people asked Buddy a question. And he was like, y'all don't want to ask Ben anything. So, That's great. Uh, it's just like, and then he like, Ben just takes the mic and then someone asked Ben a question. It was great. Uh, I, I personally just love the relationship that those two have. And I think that, uh, I think that Buddy's probably been more of a leader and mentor than given credit for, uh, you know what I mean? Because people just haven't really talked about him as being that guy, but I really think he has been. Yeah, and no one has said one bad peep about Buddy as a pacer. So I think it's been awesome. And I talked about it earlier, but you know, out of the nine rebounds, that just even when he, his shot wasn't going in the second half, him diving for that rebound with roughly about a minute to go was just such a selfless play right over here that you don't see a lot of guys diving on the floor anymore. So it was awesome to see that. Huge play. That's, that's like a, a winning play right there. So that was great to see. Also, one thing I tweeted out, but Buddy said it, is like what a lot of people don't see is James Johnson keeping this team together. I tweeted out, that is exactly why veterans are needed. Because a guy like James Johnson didn't even get in that game, hasn't gotten in many games, but behind the scenes has been vital to this Pacers team. That's why you need those guys that have been around for 10 to 15 years because it's, they just know how to handle themselves and teach the young guys mm -hmm. how to handle themselves. And, you know, right now, look, I don't know if a guy like James Johnson is going to finish the year with the Pacers, but, you know, on a team where the average age is roughly 23 years old, it's important to have at least one guy that's been around in many locker rooms. And, hey, it was just cool to hear that tidbit from Buddy. No, completely agree, Fachi. So, um I've ran out of things to talk about for today's episode. Do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, one thing that we didn't highlight on. Okay. I didn't want to cut you off, but when yeah. you were saying, man, Kyle Lowry, I'm just over him. 
the block that Benedict Matherin had mm-hmm. on Lowry was was like he he was literally just baiting him into it, stalking his prey, and just finally just waited for for Lowry to go up with it and just pinned it right off the backboard. And it was just awesome to see right over there that you know a lot of people talked about it, it was Dwayne Wade like yeah. in terms of being a, a shot blocking two guard. So I loved seeing that. Overall, this Pacers team, you know, they've had their moments. They really have at four and five. There is not a drop of sweat coming down my head. There's only a smile on my face because this team, they're playing hard. And one thing I mentioned a little bit earlier, but Trevlin Queen getting the call up, dominated in his first G League game, 27 points, seven boards, six assists, three steals. I know it's the G League and everybody puts up numbers. But that's a guy I want to see get in over the next few weeks. I want to see what he's got. I'm excited for it. Oh, man. I mean, you talk about putting the box scores. Did you see what um, our guy Gabe York is doing? Oh, yeah. Gabe York continues to kill it. That man puts up stats. I mean, I, I don't understand it. Tonight, he was phenomenal. He knocked the game into overtime. Last night, I turned on the game on YouTube for a hot minute because I was just curious what happened, right? And we were up like 30 points at halftime, but Gabe York tonight, Fachi. Uh, I mean, I think fans will just be interested in this. He was eight of 16 from the field. He had 30 points. He was, uh, let's see here, two of eight from three, but eight of nine from the free throw line. He was a plus five for the game. So he was incredible. And I just, I just continue to be amazed by him. Kendall Brown has not looked good uh, tonight. He had 19 points, though, so that's good. It's seven to 15 shooting. The first game, he did not look good. I was watching that. I'm like, man, Kendall Brown just kind of looks lost out here. Uh, but it's good to see him get 36 minutes tonight. Uh, he did not play as many minutes either. I think Jermaine Samuel's, uh, Jermaine Samuel's got the start over him in the previous game. So, you know, it's. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of Mad Ants. I watched a little bit last night, and they smoked the Grand Rapids on uh, on Saturday night, I should say. So that is that. But you know, it's it's really cool to see um, uh, both teams playing a faster pace, Fachi, and kind of embracing this new era. I was watching the Kings Magic game last night um, as well, and I don't know if you got a chance to see that or not. But De'Aaron Fox hit like a thirty nine footer to win the game in overtime, and. The, the Kings were down 18 at half, and they came back and, and <laughs> outscored the Orlando by 21 in the second half. And Sabonis, you know, watching him play, I was just kind of laughing. It's like, man, it is crazy to think how much faster our team plays now that he's not on the team. And that's not a knock against him. It's just a d- totally different style. Uh, he was running a fast break, and Keegan Murray tried throwing him a lob fachi. Oh, it was so cool. Oh, my God. I know. I know exactly the play you're talking about. Yeah. It's just Sabonis just ain't the guy for that, you know? No, I mean, he barely got his hand above the rim, and then all of a sudden he's did the defender, just knocked the ball out of bounds. I'm like, where are Sabonis' hand even at? Like, Keegan, you got to know who you're throwing the ball to. Like, this isn't Rashawn Holmes. This is DeMontis Sabonis. Like, like, he might be able to get a dunk, but it's like, I mean, I love Domas, but um, I don't know if you saw what I put out on Twitter yesterday in terms of free throw attempts through the first nine games for the Pacers uh, this season because I've been so fascinated with Benedict Matherin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 56 he's already got 56 free throw attempts Fachi through nine games uh, of the season right amazing last season after the first nine games the Mata Sabonis of the paces and free throw attempts with 37 attempts wow that's a big difference yeah so you're talking a 19 uh free throw attempt difference and and I'm sure Sabonis is playing less minutes and we'll get to that um, I said you have to go back to 2015-16 to see someone have more attempts at the free throw line through the first nine games and that was obviously Paul George. He had 64 free throw attempts. Uh, Oladipo had 54 free throw attempts in his great year in 17-18. Sabonis had 51 free throw attempts in 2020-2021. Uh, just slightly below Matherin's free throw attempts this year. But here's a catch. Matherin is doing this in 28 minutes per game. George did his in 36. Ooh. Oladipo did his in 32 and a half. And Sabonis did his in 37.7 minutes per game. So big difference. All yeah. I'm saying is... If Benedict Matherin keeps this up, he might lead the Pacers in free throws attempted by the time he retires. Wow. I mean, I hey, obviously this man's got a long way to I'm, go. I'm being sorry. I'm being a yeah, little bit yeah, facetious, okay. but I'm All just right. saying it's insane what he's doing. It, it is. And I mean, it even it gets crazier because look, points in first nine rookie, you know, rookie games uh as a pacer, Benedict Matherin has the most points scored through nine games, 186. It's more than any other Pacer rookie. So we're we're witnessing 
the arguably the best rookie in our lifetime. It's not just our lifetime, franchise history right now. And they even tweeted out something, and I, I had to incorporate Benedict Mathurin because it was like, Paul Bencaro through nine games has more points than, you know, Kevin Durant and this, this, that. And I was like, you know what? So does Benedict Matherin because yeah. he's on that much of a historic start that it's like more points through nine games than like LeBron and just all these historic guys that and at times we got to stop and just say like, wow, this guy is really special. I mean, more points than Kevin Durant, Magic Johnson, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Steph Curry, you know, Kobe Bryant, all through nine games. It's it's super impressive. He's been far better than advertised, and I cannot believe he's ours. <laughs> no, I will say style of play does matter, and I will say the NBA today compared to the NBA of the early 2000s, mid-2000s is a completely different game. I mean, I was just watching – Nets Pacers 2002 game four uh and it was a great hysterically great game flashy uh it was like 39 to 30 at half or something like that I mean it was just incredibly low it was like one of the most embarrassing things I've seen from a scoring standpoint but uh posted a I posted an interview with Ron Artest and I said this kind of gives me Benedict Matherin vibes and and Conrad Brunner former writer for Pacers.com and the star was like never mention those two in the same name again and I'm like look you, you don't have to like Ron. I understand that he kind of destroyed the franchise, but they ask him in game four is a must win for the Pacers to force to a game five, right? We know about the game five. That was incredible where Reggie banked the three in. Okay. Yep. But they ask Ron Artest at halftime, are you going to win this? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you win this game here in the second half? He said, we're going to win this game. We can't lose this game. It's our, you know, like just full confidence with what he said it. And I felt like that's an answer Benedict would give if he was asked that question. Uh, we don't have a chance to lose this game. We're got to win this game. So losing was not an option for him. So with that being said, just thought that was cool. But yes, uh, love what we are seeing from Benedict. And man, I, I honestly can't talk enough about him. But we got to go, Fachi. So let the people know where they can find us at on the social medias. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. Make sure you subscribe there for all of our content on that. And ladies and gentlemen, I just have to say, when you go back and listen to this episode or the next episode we have, count how many times Fachi says the word, absolutely. If you get the right answer, we'll find something for you because my man Fachi, that is his go-to word when he is transitioning from Point to point. Uh, but it makes me laugh every time I hear it. And recently I've been saying, I don't want to talk about it too, too much. So if you want yeah, to count We all that, have our words, you yes, know, our transition words. It, it happens. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. There you go. So with that being said, if you're excited, if the Pacers are back in action and potentially getting to see Benedict Matherin get his first start in the NBA, then say these three words, Fachi. Let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers. Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop, smooth. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.